0: Listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head over to Facebook, and there you'll be able to find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast page and you'll be able to share your thoughts and insights and interact with other listeners and followers. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sore Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate, teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady, teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir aflame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sore Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 221, and we are reading from Volume 3, Book 6, Chapter 3, Paragraphs 349 to 354. 349. In order to understand more fully the perfect accord of the evangelists and the reason why the Blessed Queen came to her son on those occasions, I wish to state that the Virgin Mother frequented the sermons of Christ our Savior for two reasons. Sometimes she wished to hear him, as I have stated above, At other times she sought him in order to ask some favor for the souls, either regarding their conversion or the cure of the sick or afflicted. For the kindest lady took the remedy of all such evils into her own hand, just as she had done at the marriage feast of Cana. Being made aware of these and other pressing necessities, either by the angels or by the interior light, she was accustomed to approach the Lord, and such was also the object of seeking the master, on the occasions mentioned by the evangelists as this happened not only once, but many times. And since the crowds attending the Sermon of the Lord were often very great, he was notified on these and many other occasions, not mentioned, that his mother and his brethren were seeking him. And on these two occasions he spoke the words recorded by St. Luke and St. Matthew. There is nothing strange in his having repeated the same words on two different occasions, for he also repeated on several occasions this other saying of his, Because everyone that exalts himself shall be humbled, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Luke 14, 11, 18, 14. Which the Lord used in the parable of the publican and the Pharisee, as also in that of the guests invited to the marriage, as can be seen in the 14th and 18th chapters of St. Luke and the 23rd chapter of St. Matthew. 3, 50 The blessed Mary practiced humility not only herself, but she was the great teacher of humility for the apostles and disciples. For it was necessary that they be well founded and rooted in this virtue in order to receive the gifts to work the wonders not only later on in the foundation of the church, but even now in the first beginnings of their duties as preachers of the word. Mark 3.14 The holy evangelists tell us that the Lord sent him before the apostles, Luke nine two, and afterwards the seventy-two disciples, and that he gave them power to expel the demons from the possessed and to cure the sick. The great mistress of the humble counseled and exhorted them with words of eternal life, how they were to govern themselves in performing these miracles. By her teaching and intercession, the spirit of wisdom and humility were deeply planted into their hearts, so that they well understood how entirely these miracles are wrought by divine power and that all the glory of these works belonged to the Lord alone. They understood that they themselves were merely the instruments, that just as the brush does not deserve the glory attached to a work of art, nor the sword that of victory, but all belongs to the artist or to the wielder of the sword, so all the honor and praise due to their miracles belong to the Lord and Master, in whose name they performed them. It is worthy of notice that none of these lessons given to the apostles before being sent to preach are mentioned in the Holy Gospels. But this was intentional, because all these instructions were given to them by the Blessed Lady. Yet when the disciples returned to their master and, full of exultation told him that they had subjected to themselves the demons in his name, Luke ten seventeen, he reminded them that he had given them his power and that they should not be elated except in having their names recorded in heaven. So feeble is our humility that the Savior was obliged to apply such corrections and antidotes in order to preserve it in his own disciples. But afterwards, in order that they might be worthy founders of the Holy Church, the science of humility taught them by Christ the Lord and his Holy Mother was still more necessary. For them they were to perform still greater miracles in the name of Christ and in confirmation of the faith and of their evangelical preaching. The heathens, being accustomed blindly to give divine honors to anything great or strange, and seeing the miracles wrought by the apostles, were only too ready to adore them as gods. Thus, when they saw St. Paul and St. Barnabas in Laconia cure the man crippled from his birth, Acts 14.9, they proclaimed the one as Mercury and the other as Jupiter. Later on, when St. Paul survived the bite of a viper, while all the others had been bitten and died thereof, he was called a god. Acts 28, six. All these miraculous events and occasions most Holy Mary foresaw in the fullness of her knowledge, and as the assistant of her divine Son in the establishment of the law of grace. During the time of his preaching, which lasted three years, Christ went to celebrate the Pasch three times, and the Blessed Lady accompanied him each time, being present when in the first year he used the whip to drive the sellers of sheep, pigeons, and cattle from the house of God. In all the doings of the Savior in the city and in his sufferings, the Great Lady accompanied him with admirable affection and heroic acts of virtue, according to her condition and circumstances. And she conducted herself with sublime perfection, especially in regard to the practice of her most ardent charity, which she derived from the Lord himself. Since she lived only in God and God in her, the charity of Christ burned in her bosom and left her to seek the good of her fellow men with all the powers of her body and soul. Instruction given to me by the Queen of Heaven. 352. In his malice and astuteness, the ancient serpent strains all his powers to destroy in the human heart the signs of humility sowed by the Redeemer as a seed of holiness in the human heart, and in its place he seeks to sow the cockle of pride. Matthew thirteen twenty five. In order to root out these and allow free growth to the blessing of humility, it is necessary that the soul consent and seek to be humiliated by its fellow creatures, and that it ask the Lord incessantly and in all sincerity of heart for this virtue, for the means to attain it. Very scarce are the souls that apply themselves to the science and reach the perfection of this virtue, for it requires entire conquest of one's whole self, to which few attain. Even among those who profess to be virtuous, this contagion of pride is so deeply penetrated into the human faculties that it is communicated to nearly all of men's doings, and there is scarcely one among men who is without pride, just as the rose never grows without thorns or the grain without husks. On this account, the Most High makes so much of the truly humble, and those who entirely triumph over pride, he exalts in places with the princes of his people." Esteeming them as his favorite children, and exempting them from the jurisdiction of the demon. Thus it comes that the devil dares scarcely approach them, because he fears the humble and their victories over him more than the fires of hell. 353. I desire, my dearest, that thou attain the inestimable treasure of humility in all its fullness, and that thou offer to the Most High a docile and yielding heart in order that he may impress upon it, like on soft wax, the image of my own most humble activity. As thou hast been informed of such deeply hidden secrets concerning the sacrament, thou art under great obligations to correspond to my wishes, not losing the least occasion of humiliation and advancing in this virtue. Neglect none of them, since thou knowest how much I sought after them, who was the mother of God himself most pure and full of grace." The greater my prerogatives, so much the greater is my humility, because in my estimation they far exceeded my merits and only increased my obligations. All you children of Adam, Psalm 57, were conceived in sin, and there is none who has not sinned on his own account. If none can deny this infection of his nature, why should not all humiliate themselves before God and before men? Lowering themselves to the very dust and placing themselves in the last place is not such a great humiliation for those who have sinned, for even then they will always be more honored than they deserve. The truly humble must lower themselves beneath that which they have deserved. If all the creatures would despise and abhor them or offend them, if they would consider themselves worthy of hellfire, they would only fulfill justice, but not the requirement of humility, since that would only be admitting their deserts. But real deep humility goes to the length of desiring a greater humiliation than that due to oneself in justice. On this account there is no mortal who can attain to the kind of humility which I practiced, such as thou hast understood and described; but the most I will be satisfied with and ready to reward the efforts of those who humble themselves as far as they can and as they deserve in justice. 354 Let, then, the sinners admit their baseness, and understand how they make of themselves monsters of hell by imitating Lucifer in his pride. For pride found him beauteous, and endowed with great gifts of grace and nature. And although he dissipated these blessings, he had nevertheless possessed them as his own. But man, who is mere slime, and moreover has sinned, and is full of ugliness and baseness, is a monster, if he bloats himself up in vain pride. But such absurdity he surpasses even the demon, since man possesses a nature neither so noble, nor was ever gifted with such grace and beauty as Lucifer. He and his hellish followers despise and laugh over men, who in such inferiority swell up in pride, for they can well understand this vain and contemptible madness and delirium. Mind well, therefore, my daughter, this lesson, and humiliate thyself lower than the earth, showing just as little sense of injury as the dust, whenever the Lord either himself or through others sends the humiliation. Never judge thyself injured by anyone, nor consider thyself offended. If thou abhor pretense and lying, remember that the greatest offense is to aspire after honor or high position. Do not attribute to creatures that which God brings about in order to humiliate thee, or others by affliction and tribulations, for this is protesting against mere instruments, while it is divine mercy which inflicts punishment on men for their humiliation. This, if they only would understand, is really what is happening by the disposition of the Lord to the kingdoms of our day. Humiliate thyself in the divine presence for thyself and for all thy fellow men, in order to placate his wrath. Just if thou alone wert guilty, and as if thou never hadst made any satisfaction, since during mortal life no one can ever know whether he has satisfied for his transgressions, seek to appease him, as if thou alone hadst offended him, and in regard to the gifts and favors which thou hast received and dost receive, show thyself grateful, as one who deserves much less and owes much more. By these considerations humiliate thyself more than all the others and labor without ceasing to correspond to the divine clemency, which has shown itself so liberal toward thee. This concludes our reading for day number 221. We've been reading from volume 3, book 6, chapter 3, paragraphs 349 to 354. One of the reasons why Our Lady listened to the teachings of Her Son was so that She could bring the needs of people to Her Son that as he was out in his public ministry and as she was following, she would become aware, just as she was aware at the wedding feast of Cana, she would know the needs of other people, and she'd bring them to Jesus and submit them to him. And really then today we ask her, be aware, dear Blessed Mother, of the situations of my life. Whatever thing that has befallen me or my family, Wherever I struggle, see that now and bring it to the attention of Jesus so that he might help me, that he might assist me. I want to again dwell, we've done this now three days in a row, I want to dwell again on this passage from Mark 3, 31 to 35, in which the mother and the brothers and sisters of the Lord approach the house and then they tell Jesus, your mother and brothers are here. And Jesus says, who are my mother and my brothers? Because I've always read and I've always heard and I've researched this passage extensively. I always heard that it was Mary concerned about Jesus, about what she was hearing, went to address her son. But then, now, with Maria of we could almost see it that Mary, who is following, is in the crowd and now wants to speak to her son because she's found someone that needs his help, that needs divine grace and assistance. That intercession of Our Lady also is key as we heard so much about humility today. By her teaching and intercession, the spirit of wisdom and humility was deeply planted into their hearts, the apostles, so that they well understood how entirely these miracles are wrought by divine power and that all the glory of those works belong to the Lord alone. And so by her teaching and intercession, the apostles are aware that the good that they're doing is not them, but it's almighty God. It's God who is accomplishing that good work. They become aware of that by the intercession and teaching of Our Lady. And so again, we can say, Dear Blessed Mother, teach me to realize that the accomplishments of my life, that the honor and glory belong to God because I have cooperated with him. This is what we heard. He reminded them that he had given them this power, that they should not be elated except in having their names recorded in heaven. God has given us the gifts and the power in our life to accomplish his will and to do his work here on earth. Maybe today, as you go about your daily work, maybe tomorrow, maybe the rest of the week, well, dare I say the rest of your life, always have that idea of humility in your mind and ask, am I humble or am I vainglorious? Am I humble or am I prideful? Or maybe as you approach a situation in your life, you can address it. What is the most humble decision that I could make here? It seems that in the teaching of Our Lady, that is what she would like us to do.